everybody comes to where they are when they get there. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I would have gotten here had I not gone through all of the paths that I went through. Obviously not, because I can't go back to the past. But I don't regret having gone to medical school and been a practicing physician. I think all of that adds to what I'm doing now and makes it different and unique. I wasn't always happy being a physician. I am still a practicing physician and I'm doing it in a way that makes me happy and helps me to bring my skills that are of most value to other people. Being of value to others and utilizing your skills to the fullest to do that. Could that be it? What we just heard my guest say in that clip, is that the bucket list career formula? Well, Dr. Junababi was a successful practicing radiologist, but something changed her and her professional focus. After years of seeing disease in people's bodies, she finally realized that her calling was elsewhere. She wanted to empower people with knowledge about how to stay well. Five years ago, Juna was in a bit of a personal crisis that included a suicide of someone close to her, and it was pivotal for her path, even transformative. In this episode, Juna delves into how this new level of self-awareness led to the creation of her new business, Mind Body Space. We discuss what she does for her clients, counseling them on lifestyle prevention strategies of exercise, nutrition, and how to handle medical anxiety. Plus, what is singular about her work? What sets her apart, including her innovative meditation practices? I hope you find as much value in this one as I did. Let's listen. Juno, welcome to Bucketless Careers. I'm so glad that we are doing this. Hi, Krista. It's so great to see you. This is awesome. I love it. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's been unfortunate. I haven't seen you more. I mean, obviously, the pandemic didn't help. <laughs> but all of a sudden, a couple of years later, I look on social media and boom, there you are having created this new professional space for yourself. And I'm so glad that we're going to be able to share your narrative and your transitions. So let's delve into it. I love the journey. We want to understand the ins and outs of going from being a practicing physician to teaching mind-body medicine. So let's begin with your experiences as a radiologist and how what you did, seeing disease in people's bodies, how this affected you and in turn your professional focus? I guess I was always a teacher because in medicine, we always have to teach whoever is junior to us. So if you're a senior intern, you're teaching medical students sometimes, or when you become an attending, you're always giving teaching conferences. So I used to teach in that way, I would teach radiology, noon conferences, things like that, and give lectures. So we're always teaching. So I think that's ingrained in me. And then you're always teaching patients, hopefully. <laughs> a lot of times we don't have time. Mm -hmm. But I was in a very unique practice on the Upper East Side where as a radiologist, I actually had patients, which is very strange and interesting. But I did get to see patients. I did get to talk to them every time they came in for imaging. My favorite part of it was really to help them learn how to prevent disease. So that was my focus. And that was something that really got me excited because you don't want to give bad news. So teach people how to prevent disease. 80% of all chronic diseases and more than that are due to three lifestyle factors, like poor diet, not exercising, and believe it or not, still smoking. And now, of course, there's jeweling and all that other stuff. The top three causes of death are all heavily lifestyle and preventable, including cancer, which people don't really think about. 
So when I was a practicing physician, that was my favorite part to tell somebody that they had a negative exam and that we could do something in their lifestyle to prevent or lower their chances of developing disease. So that was fun for me. I understand that. And I know you say over time, you came to realize that your passion was empowering people with that knowledge about how to stay healthy. And you've always had a preventer personality. But when did it sort of come into focus? Let's say I was middle age. I found myself <laughs> in my middle ages. Kids are growing up. I had a very difficult year where I lost one of my best friends from when we were best friends since 16. I lost her to breast cancer. Oh. And then that same year, I lost my mother to suicide. Yeah. So that was a really rough year for me. She always had issues and she was much older, but still it's painful. Juna, of course. And thank you. Just let me say thank you for sharing that and being open about that because, you know, it helps us understand really where your mind was. And I know that you had said that that was a time of personal crisis for you, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. That was within, uh, I guess, seven to eight months apart. Two people who were very close to me and who I had known for so long. After that, I started questioning, what am I going to do? Am I going to be happy doing this when my kids are grown up? So like you said, on the planner side and preventative side. So I was already thinking about myself yeah. 10, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. That's the plus side of anxiety because you like to plan ahead. So I was like, I don't know if I want to be doing this when I'm 60, 70 years old. Yeah. So I started planning my shift then. I started learning all about prevention, which is what I really wanted to do. And that was not available to me when I was in medical school. Like that was not something that now it's more of they even have a preventative medicine residency now, which is different from when I was going to medical school. So that was my passion. And I just started to learn everything about it, getting certified in different arenas, especially the mind-body medicine component, which I trained the Herbert Benson Institute for mind-body medicine at Harvard Medical School. Right. Yes. Tell us about that program, actually, and how you found it, zeroed in on it, and how would you say it's singular? I went to my doctor and I had borderline high blood pressure. So that's just like just on the edge. And she knew that I have reactivity to medications. Mm -hmm. So I react to a lot of different things and I'm very sensitive. So I didn't want to start meds right away. And she said, instead of putting me on a prescription, she gave me a prescription pad and she wrote on it the relaxation response, which is the book by Dr. Herbert Benson, who was a Harvard cardiologist. He just recently passed away. Sadly, he was... 86, I think 83 or 86. Anyway, he had a very full career and he was the pioneer for mind-body medicine in Western medicine. And he never left Harvard, which was a little different from a lot of other physicians who are in the field. So anyway, she gave me this prescription. I'd never gotten a prescription for a book before. Have you? Right. <laughs> I have not. No. And that's that, that obviously stuck with you and, and made you stop and think for a moment. Yeah. So she had gone to Harvard Medical School, Dr. Kriatora. She's in New York City. And she had seen one of Dr. Benson's medical school lectures when she was there. So she told me all about him. I got this book and I couldn't believe that there was this world-renowned physician talking about this. This was a book from the 70s. So obviously it had been around for a while. It was a bestseller in the 70s. But it came to me much later than that. Mm -hmm. And once I found out about it, I went and took every course they had. I trained with them and most recently did get certified by them. They started having the certification process over the last 10 years while I was transitioning <laughs> into this field completely. 
Wow. Okay. So, and when you're in this program, did you have an idea about what you would do coming out, becoming a creator of Mind Body Space LLC? And I do want to hear all about what you're doing with your business, becoming an author. I know you're a speaker. Did you know that was the route that you were going to take or how did that come about? No, absolutely not. I had no idea. <laughs> I had zero idea what I was going to do. I was like, I just have to tell everybody about this. I can't believe my, my real. No, I love your transparency. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so my real intention was just that passion of wanting to learn more for myself. I told you about my family history and there was a, in my family history, there was alcoholism, depression, anxiety, all kinds of stuff that comes out of growing up during a war. You know, and that's really relevant right now. And my parents grew up during the Korean War, the Japanese occupation and all of that. There's that component. And I wanted to also stop the cycle of whatever. They both had type 2 diabetes. They had high blood pressure. And some of the, as we know, a lot of it is lifestyle. So I wanted to prevent all of that and anything I could do to prevent disease for my children. So it was all from being this, wanting to be this mother who's also a physician and understanding what I know about disease. I know everything that can go wrong with us, <laughs> but I just, right. <laughs> which is a blessing and a curse. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to understand what can go wrong with us. That's the beginning that we have to know all about, but I really wanted to prevent and I wanted to educate my kids. When did you decide you were going to create Mind Body Space? You at first thought, I want to teach this. I want to share this. But then you took it further and you created a course. We really just would love to understand your mindset so people can understand and they can create something of their own, perhaps, you know, and, and launch and build their own runway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I started, as I told you, just learning because I was so passionate about learning because I was so curious about it. And then as I told other people, they just really appreciated the information. And then I wanted to teach my kids. But of course, being their mom, it's not so easy <laughs> to teach them directly. So I started teaching other kids. And I started doing lectures and workshops wherever I could. And the Benson Henry Institute did support me to do that. I did go off a little bit on my own because I was translating it into a more accessible format, especially for younger kids. My kids were young at the time. And my son actually was or is a cellist. So he was at the Juilliard School at the time where I am now on faculty for the last six years teaching this science of resilience and peak performance. So I started with him because he had to go up and he's 10 years old. He's up in front of 500 people. It's like completely silent and he's playing concertos by memory. So there's a lot of, especially when they start to become 11, 12 years old, they need to have a lot of mental skills to calm themselves before performance. So that's where I started teaching there. Yeah. So I started teaching wherever he was. For me, being a mom was so important and I wanted to be there for my kids and so whenever I traveled with him, I would teach the course, whatever summer camp he was in or whatever institute he was playing at, I would teach. So that's how the course started to come about. So it was natural. Okay. So then I went back to my medical school, NYU School of Medicine, Grossman School of Medicine, and I wanted to really share this with the medical students. Mm -hmm. And they were just starting to talk about wellness and bringing that into the curriculum. So I was there for four years and I helped them do this wellness Wednesdays. So we'd come in on Wednesdays and teach them all about mind-body medicine and resilience nice. and lifestyle medicine. And then from there, I was also at Columbia Law School. 
teaching the law students because they're very stressed. And interestingly enough, the law students are very interested in all of this stuff, <laughs> especially right before the boards. Intense pressure on these guys. What would you say is the differentiator for what you're teaching people right now in terms of self-care and wellness and managing stress and anxiety? If you could break it down, I mean, I understand it's a complex concept, but what are some of the highlights of what you think sets what you're doing apart? And then how did it expand from that? You have great questions. Nothing that I'm teaching is really new. It's probably something your grandmother taught you and everybody is just philosophy or religion. It's all been taught, but I think what sets mind body medicine or lifestyle medicine apart is that there is peer reviewed research that goes into this. And also because I was a radiologist, so I learned to look at the brain on MRI machines. And actually I did my research in medical school with Dr. Rodolfo Linas, who is like the father of neuroscience. He actually discovered one of the calcium channels in the neurons. I did my research before medical school and during medical school in his lab. So I had been looking at MRIs for a very long time. And ever since the MRI was invented, which was not that long ago, actually, it's like 90s, right? Just around there. So that's when we started to be able to see actual changes in the brain in real time. Because how can you look at brains and see how they change? You can't because that would be unethical to do any kind of research on people who who are alive. So now with the MRI, we can actually see the changes that's happening in the brain. That's amazing. So we can actually see what works and what doesn't, not to like a microscopic degree, not to a certain exactness, but we can see a trend. We can see when parts of the areas of the brain thicken because of what you're doing or how you're practicing, let's say violin you can probably see the changes that happen in the brain, okay? Or if you they've actually looked at jugglers, you could teach somebody how to juggle and you can see different areas of the brain change as you learn how to juggle. Yeah, so that research, obviously from a young age, and then you were also very interested in behavioral psychology, correct? Like this all has contributed to your approach. Yeah, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's new too, relatively new. Cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, all of these things have nothing to do with taking medications, but it, for the long run, it's the most effective and the safest. Ah, so you just mentioned not taking medication. So is that, are you a big proponent of that? Yeah, I love medications and I love surgery. <laughs> It totally saves lives, but it's always great for acute situations, acute situations, not chronic. Right. So it should be something that you need acutely, and then you should taper off it, hopefully, and learn all these other lifestyle, longer lasting skills to be able to stay healthy. It's fascinating. So the differentiator is that people love to understand their brains, especially kids. They just get so interested and curious when they find out that they can have agency mm-hmm. over how they're wiring their own brains, how even thoughts can be a habit, thought patterns, like your reactions, your general daily, day-to-day reactionary state, all of these things that people think is, oh, that's me, that's my personality, that's how I am. Once they understand that is not true <laughs> and that they actually can direct themselves, these kids are all over it. They love it. Adolescents, sixth graders, fifth graders, even second graders. So I love that. It's not that I don't love teaching adults. I do work a lot with the parents as well. <laughs> it's just 
fun to tell them about their brains and their nervous system. So I bring in a lot of physiology and a lot of neuroscience, which differentiates my courses. And it's not intimidating. It's just anybody can learn it. This work sounds so rewarding. I can see in your face how it lights you up. How would you say your journey can help others really come to their professional purpose, if you will? Like, what are, what are just some takeaways that you think you could share for my listeners? Kind of always like to give a little advice based on what you've been through on getting to that place where your work is truly fueling you and fueling your soul. So I think that everybody comes to where they are when they get there. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I would have gotten here had I not gone through all of the paths that I went through. Obviously not, because I can't go back to the past. But I don't regret having gone to medical school and been a practicing physician. I think all of that adds to what I'm doing now and makes it different and unique. I wasn't always happy being a physician. I am still a practicing physician and I'm doing it in a way that makes me happy and helps me to bring my skills that are of most value to other people. So I think it takes time to figure that out, but that's what I've been reverse engineering with my courses. So I have boiled it down into a planner. <laughs> so I don't know if people love planners. I've never been a planner user, but now I am. And I actually made my own planner for my students because I think that sort of scheduled reflection on what your values are, what makes you happy, what brings joy in your life, what makes you curious. Those are the things that it has to be like a regular, almost like mental hygiene, <laughs> almost like getting your brushing your teeth or having this regular habit of part of your lifestyle. Yeah. Asking yourself, like, what makes you feel excited? What makes you joyful? Not everything's going to be joyful. There's many things that I have to do now that are detail oriented and it's just not something that I enjoy. In fact, it's really difficult being a creator sometimes. It's not like you just go to work and you sit there and you do what you're doing. Right. When you have that sort of joy and that passion, that helps you do the other grinding parts of the process, right? Right. The more arduous tasks. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. I don't think I did that when I was younger. I was just trying to get through stuff. But you've reached that that level of self-awareness, and it's very clear. So where can people go online to learn more about your programs, more about you? I know you have a podcast as well. I do. My podcast is called Mind Body Space, and it has some meditations on there too. I talk to a lot of professionals and experts, and then I also have meditations on there for if you just need to take a chill pill. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't sometimes? <laughs> yeah. You can also find me on Inside Timer if you're a regular meditator or you want to start meditating, you can go on Inside Timer and look me up there. Nice. You can also find me on mindbodyspace.com. That's my website. And you can find all the information there. Can I just mention Instagram? They should find me on Instagram also. It's mindbodyspace. Easy enough. All right, Dr. Juna Bobby, it was so great to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to seeing you more in town now that the world is opening up a bit again, slowly but surely. I'm really glad we did this. I think it was really valuable to hear all your insights. Congratulations on what you've achieved. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie, and this is Bucketless Careers. You know, we have over 50 episodes at this point. I'm really proud of that milestone. And if you have a favorite or more than one, please feel free to share. That is the best way for us to grow 
organically through word of mouth and your support as listeners. Next week, we have two guests in one episode, very dynamic co-founders. They started their business in the pandemic and have so much to share. So be sure to join me next week. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.